This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode of Mad About Movies is brought to you by the movie Love and Monsters. Dylan O'Brien stars in Love and Monsters, out now on Blu-ray and 4K Ultra HD. Certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, this fun-filled adventure delivers epic action and laughs. As a young man makes a dangerous journey in a monster-infested world to be with the girl of his dreams. We've reviewed Love and Monsters. We all really, really enjoyed it. I mean, what's there not to love about a giant crab, right? Own Love and Monsters right now on Blu-ray, 4K, and digital. Listen to our review. It's rated PG-13 from Paramount Pictures. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? Yeah. It's showtime. Well, we're rounding out 2020, guys. A couple more movies to go. And one of those is Nomadland. We're here, guys. We did it. We made it to the end of 2020 when it comes to the movies. And um, it's funny we say that, but we were actually talking off air before we got on here. That uh, there's not like any movies coming out in 2021 that are new for uh, quite some time. So right when Kent decides to pull the trigger on doing the end of the year list episode, they decide to pull all the movies from 2021. So, you know, maybe we'll have to sneak some 2020 movies releases in. We're not going to get too technical here. I'd say they're all off the table, but Mm -hmm. here we are. Yeah. This is where we're cutting off the list. (laughs) Yeah. We're just, uh, whatever we can find that we feel <laughs> exactly, we can fill an hour of content on. We're, that's what we're going to do. Cause we've got a lot of fun other stuff coming soon. And I hope you listened to and enjoyed our state of the show episode that came out last week. We talked about some stuff we're doing mm. in the VIP episode, some, some retrospectives, some throwbacks, some exciting announcements regarding, uh, some video content that we're going to be doing. And uh, so I'm not going to take up the time with this episode, but I want to remind people, um, if you want to know what's going on there, what to expect in 2021 and beyond, check out that episode. And we got, we got some main feed announcements on that one, too. So it's not only for the for the patrons. Got got a lot of fun stuff happening. But we can't move on with 2021. Can't move ahead until we take care of business now. And to do that, uh, let's, let's hit up Nomadland, guys. This was a movie that I had circled early, early on in the year. Love me some Chloe. Gosh, love, love me some Chloe Zhao. Uh, Chloe Zhao directed my favorite film of, I believe it was 2017, uh, The Writer. And after that, I was like, oh my God, anything she does, sign me up. You know, I, I just was, was in love with that that film. And uh, I, And then I went back and watched her First feature, Songs My Brothers Taught Me, which is, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but, uh, you know, it's about Native American reservations and kind of that sector of American society, which is uh, certainly worth watching. Um, 
And so when I heard that, uh, yeah, Chloe's next project is going to be um, uh, Marvel, I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> what? Already? You know, like it's like this one movie that, uh, you know, I saw at the, the Angelica here and kind of tried to talk about on the podcast, but no one's ever really asked me about it since or anything. Like, it's not like it's a big movie or anything like that, but yeah, it, it, the right people saw it and, and here she is making the Eternals. But lo and behold, the Eternals didn't come out 2020. But what did come out was this little side movie she had going on. With uh, another one of my favorites, Frances McDormand, American Treasure, Frances right. McDormand. Don't mean to slander her here. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, man, it's like the Kent Garrison combo of all time. It's like, all right, Kent, uh, yeah, it's going to be, uh, you know, Damien Chazelle and, uh, you know, Michael Fassbender. It's like, okay, sign me up. You know, Je Jesse Plemons and david lowry you know it's like sign me up it's like the kent garrison <laughs> combos are, are, are crazy mm -hmm. this is one of those francis and, mm -hmm. and chloe Huey bowl and jennifer garner <laughs> oh my god how do you read my mind <laughs> uve it's uve come on brian yeah, you know the uh the thing about this one is yeah it, it's it's everything i love in in an actress a leading lady it's everything i love in a director it's everything i love in a in a uh, type of movie and so, yeah, going into this one, very, very much anticipated mm -hmm. it. Um, so, yeah, that's where, where we'll start is it's my general thoughts. I haven't said what I thought, guys, but uh, <laughs> maybe I want to talk about just your anticipation for the movie. Brian, did you hear about this? Uh, what was mm -hmm. your kind of mm -hmm. thought yeah, going It's been in? on the radar for a bit. Uh, I don't remember where it is kind of similar to Minari, which we're talking about later this week, uh, where, you know, those, the festival circuit movies kind of hard to keep track of when they first come into your, your, uh, your brain, I guess, or you, you know about them, maybe TIFF. That's Comic-Con. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The big panel. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, whatever, whatever it was, whether it was TIFF or if it, maybe it was Sunday, I have no idea anymore. Time doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, it, it's as soon as I heard the names I was in and, and I, I really dig the, the subject matter as well. Uh, but yeah, you, Close Yao. I wasn't quite as high on the writer as you were, Kent. Like, but it's it was one of my top whatever fifteen movies of of that year. And I'm I can't remember. I know it, it technically came out in 2017, but I kind of feel like it was a 2018 movie mm -hmm. as far as uh our the release and us being able to see. It. But I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Whatever year that was, I was very high on it. And I thought like as we do with with independent films quite frequently. Uh, I will make note of the name and say, man, I, I can't wait to see what, what this person does next time. And pretty quickly post the writer, like you said, Kent, we get the announcement that, that, uh, that Marvel is that MC Disney Marvel is doing, uh, is doing the Eternals and that Chloe Zhao is going to be the director. And I, and I had the same thought. I was like, wow, that's a, that's awesome. B that is quick to go from, from the writer, which probably cost about eight thousand yeah, dollars, maybe shooting to, a movie uh, on a farm with uh, some horses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Like this nice little exactly. project I've got going on. To yeah. oh yeah, here's two hundred fifty million dollars. For sure, be jarring. For sure, but it's great. I'm I'm super pumped for her to do that. Uh, for for myriad reasons, and I look forward to being able to talk about Eternals. Hopefully, at the end of this year, at some point. But uh, yeah, man, I was I was very excited about this. I love American Treasure Frances McDormand. I think she's just might be the best actress going. I mean, she's just an incredible 
incredible presence on screen, and I always am excited to see what she's going to do. Uh, and this is this is this is this subject matter is kind of right up my alley. I really I really dig what uh, what what Chloe Zhao is is getting into with this and the simplicity of the story and how uh, how small the movie is and yet how beautifully it's shot and how how well she did. I I, I really I am very excited for whatever whatever Chloe Zhao wants to do. Uh, moving forward because I, I just think she's she really has an eye for great stories and uh for she has an eye for the camera as well if you if you haven't Dude, seen the writer total. i have no idea where that's streaming i'm sure you can rent it on like amazon or something or you know whatever whatever you use for voodoo whatever you use for your your, your on-demand i'm purposes. only on voodoo yeah yeah same here i still yeah still i still have a blockbuster uh mail-in subscription but uh <laughs> still all access <laughs> And if you send stuff in, they still send it back, man. We don't know how it works. But. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like, it's kind of a, it's it's just one dude in a warehouse with a Do bunch of movies. Do you think that like, there's I, a blockbuster? the only subscriber. We're just. Like yeah. P.O. Box sent, set up somewhere for, for people that never canceled their thing and they're still paying for it. And Blockbuster's <laughs> like, hey, as long as they're paying for it, we'll take the mm-hmm. check. And it just right. like this one That's account right. just gets. <laughs> yeah. People's that, account. that account, yeah, it totally. That, never that money's it. been moved, yeah, yeah, to like eight different companies at this point. Oh yeah, if you never canceled Movie Pass, check yeah. your your card because they're still charging you for sure. And even yeah. if you did cancel Movie Pass, you probably should check anyway because yeah. there's a pretty yeah. decent chance. You gave them your that, payment information. You're, you're probably in trouble. yeah. You may want to actually change your bank account and everything. Um, <laughs> things were shred rough all your stretch. all your identification link to it. <laughs> yeah. Change your identity. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. No, I'm with you, Brian. She. She is like somebody who certainly has the eye for the camera. And the way she mm-hmm. shoots the movies is really, it's really cool. It's just her and a camera guy, you know, on yeah. set and just talking through the scene and pointing kind of where she wants things. And she certainly has a style. She's an auteur for sure. I mean, I see resonant tones through all three of these films. It's not like, mm-hmm. I don't know, some. Some auteur filmmakers, even though they kind of have a the way they edit movies together, they don't have a distinct way they look. You know, like Steven Soderbergh would be an example of that. Uh, you know, you know, uh, he kind of changes things up in terms of cameras and how he shoots things <laughs> from movie to movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is that's not her. She has a distinct Chloe Zhao ness to them, and that's what attracted me to her. Right when I saw the writer, first five minutes, some of the most gorgeous s- photography of the American West that I've ever seen, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. it's not like the Fort Worth stockyards American West. It's like the the, the Wyoming, Montana, mm-hmm. beautiful, real cowboy American West stuff. So I would certainly, uh, like I said, if, if it being my number one of that year isn't enough endorsement, um, go see this. But but yeah, Richard, any preconceived notions going into this? What was your uh, anticipation like? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I, kind of always here for for anything with Francis. And I, I knew vaguely this was about vagabonding and, and that was about it. You know, I didn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't too, too hip to it coming in for, I don't know, whatever reason. Um, I like the writer too, uh, but I kind of. I haven't really thought about it too much since, even though I think Chloe's really talented. I'm excited for Eternals, um, and and everything going on with that. But yeah, I I was kind of, but I knew I knew pretty, I don't know, a month or two ago that this was going to be a real kind of player for the for the end of year stuff. So started getting more excited for it, uh, and and yeah, I mean it was it was 
it was a little bit different than I thought. It was it was fun to watch Francis kind of in that free of a role. I mean, she's always such a and I mean this as a real comment. She's always such a showy actress. Um, but it was like this kind of realized. And then I I love I love David Sertain, uh a lot as a as a character actor and and uh, one of those people that I, I kind of always forget about. And then when he pops up, I'm always kind of excited for what's around. I love his voice for some reason; he has a very kind of distinct voice to me. Um, and so, yeah, I love that. And then I I didn't know until you know halfway through this, I was like, this cast is weird. This whole you know. Uh, I don't really. These are some really weird supporting <laughs> actor choices. I don't know any, and so like, got on Wikipedia. Is like, oh, they're real. These are like real vagabond people. So it's kind of this hy- hyper realized thing. So yeah, I. I mean, I. I dug the overall whole vibe of it. Um, I don't know. I'm. I'm. I. If this is like, because this is kind of going around is definitely like maybe the best or, uh, you know, top two, three movie of the year for sure, and. If it is, that's a bad year to me, but that's not this movie's fault because I think this would still be like, you know, the ninth best movie of most years. But is I I came away disappointed like, oh, man, that's about as good as it's going to get from that year. And that kind of stinks, but that's OK. That's not that's not this movie's fault. It's a very, very lovely film. Yeah, I, you know, we'll get into this later this week with with guest Ariel when we talk to when we talk about Minari. And you know, I think there are very similar movies in a lot of ways and with the stories that they tell and how life isn't always what you expect it to be. Life Mm -hmm. isn't always what you want it to be, you know? And when I saw the trailer to this, when I read about it, I was thinking into the wild, Mm -hmm. right? I was thinking, Oh, this is a movie or the movie wild. I was going to say, I was thinking wild. This was like the less, I was thinking this is going to be a woman who leaves her past life behind. She sells all her stuff. She gets in a van. She drives around America. She has these spiritual awakenings, all, you know, this super triumphant thing. And then you see the film and it's a woman who has lived in this small town of 2000 people that the, everyone in the town works for this one company you know, because they've all been relocated there. And then the company ceases to exist. And so everybody in that entire town is homeless, essentially, you know. And when you have your entire life wrapped up into a career like that or something and to pay the bills just to get by, that's uh, pretty jarring, <laughs> I, I can imagine. You know, not that I've gone through that or anything. But um, so this was not what I expected in terms of a. I want to go do this. I want to go free my spirit. This was, I have to do this because this is the situation I'm in. (laughs) And that, that's very similar to Minari in that way to me. You know, it's like, it it shows much, Mm -hmm. it's much more the circumstances of life than like the uh, vacation or joys of life or like the, the silver lining, you know, it's much more about the reality of what, what real people have to deal with on a, on a daily basis. And, and it reminds me a little bit of, of a movie from, mm-hmm. I think that same year, 2017 of the writer, um, the Florida project where, you know, this is a society, a group of people in America. That's very real. That's been largely marginalized, silenced, you know, maybe people don't listen to their side of the story. They don't understand it. They don't care. 
you know, and mm-hmm. Chloe did the same thing when she, she did the writer where, um, the fact that, uh, the, the fact that she met this, this bull rider and his family and mm-hmm. said, wow, this is, this is a whole lifestyle I didn't know about. People need to see mm-hmm. about this. And I'm sure she read the, uh, the book Nomadland that this is based on and said, I want to, I want to highlight that, that sector of American life. And that, that's what struck out to me. That's, that's what struck me and stuck out to me about the movie. Uh, was just the harsh reality of it. And yeah, it's shot extremely well. And yeah, Chloe certainly knows how to work with actors, but like, I think this is a, an incredible movie, monumental movie for a lot of reasons, but it's, it's because of the, the, I don't know, mm-hmm. the, I said harsh reality. I guess that's the, the, the best phrase I can come mm-hmm. up with yeah. is it, it almost feels like a Michael Moore documentary in a way, you know, like this is America. This is who we are at this moment in time. We need to deal with it. And, you know, it certainly mm-hmm. made me look at it, things in a different light. It made me think twice before ordering an Amazon package, you know, like th- things like that. And I can't believe Amazon <laughs> let this get out there from a PR. I mean, not that she's treated bad in the movie or anything, but like, you know, there's so many people <laughs> that go through life just getting by, just trying to get by. And not enough mm-hmm. stories are told about those kinds of people. And the way Chloe did this with a minimal script, some basic outlines of some situations, and just she just said, all right, Francis, I'll see you in three weeks. Sink into this character, and we're going to go drive around America and find yeah. some of these people and go to these places. And you're actually going to work at a at a potato farm. Right. And you're actually going to do all this. It was so perfect. The way the approach, the execution of that was so perfect by Chloe. And I was blown away by this. I mean, I, like I said, I was already hyped going in. I love, I love her work, but for me, it met every expectation. And, and I think this movie we're going to be talking about in, in years, you know, as something as a real slice of life of this, this point in time and of where we are, you know, And it doesn't really deal with like the hot topics of today. You know, it's not about election fraud, you know, it's not about any Mm -hmm. racial injustices, right? But it's about real Americans. (laughs) And that, uh, that's, that struck me and I got emotional about that. I didn't expect it, but, (laughs) um, I expected to be like fulfilled and like, man, I really want to go sell everything and just go live life. But that's (laughs) the opposite of here. I was just like, God, I'm so happy to have a career and, to have a home and food and all those like things that you kind of do take for granted at some, you know, for uh, living in America in this great country. So I was blown away by it, man. I was, I loved it. I loved it. But um, that's general thoughts uh, for me. What about, uh, yeah. Where do you guys want to go for that? I also think that, I don't know if it's their intention or not of, of the book or, or of, of closure. I, I have no idea. I don't like to, I don't like to speak to people's intentions that I don't, I don't really know. But there's like a, um, <laughs> if you get on like Instagram, you get on TikTok, you get a bunch of, you know, my, my, uh, my boyfriend and I, uh, sold all of our possessions and we, we turned a sprinter van into our home and we traveled around the country and, you know, <laughs> right. we did all this for stuff. That's and like it, a glamorized. 
Yeah, it looks real luxurious in a way, and it's. I'm not. If that's your, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure we have listeners who are who are living, you know, something like that uh, with with their life, and it's. I'm not. I'm not knocking it. I just that it, there are there are some people who who live that life by choice, and that is usually who we see in in presented living that that life, uh, whether it's through your social media or or through movies or whatever, it's, it's a choice. And this is the, this is the life that I want to live. And, and it looks, uh, it can, it can look really cool to a lot of people. Um, but, but I really liked that this movie wasn't that, that didn't go that direction and yeah. that it, it showed, uh, cause there's a, I would, I would wager that the, the percentage of people that are living a lifestyle like this, by choice is much lower than, than the percentage of people who are living that lifestyle because this is what uh, their circumstances have sort of thrusted upon them. And this is the best thing. This is the way that they can, they can get by. This is what they can do. You know, maybe this is the best that they can do. And so I really dug that, that the movie was about that, not about, again, uh, we, we chose to live this lifestyle and that also then, it incorporated rather than rather than really digging into the woe is me everything is terrible aspects of of this story which are very apparent and real and are you know are are real things that a lot of people are going into it it, mm. it had a little bit of that sort of um I don't know, like good old fashioned American grit, you yeah. know, of, like, yeah, we got to look, this I is, I can pull myself like, up by my bootstraps and yeah, it doesn't really matter what comes at me. I can handle it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I dug that, that aspect of it because I, I, I like we got a, not a ton. It's not like the old days where we used to get, y'all remember some of the, sometimes we'd put out a movie review and then you just, we just get inundated with with whining and criticism about some, and it's just like, really, what are we, you know, what, what are we doing here? We did. We got a fair amount of pushback on on the hillbilly elegy episode, and this is like, you know, you see that movie and then see see Nomadland, and it's like, this is how you do that movie. I understand that that hillbilly elegy is is based on a, a memoir and and somebody's real life uh, events that happened, and I totally get that. And um, but there is a. There is that sort of pull yourself up from your bootstrap by your bootstraps bit with Hillbilly Elegy, but it's also sort of drenched in hmm. woe Everything. is me. Look at how terrible <laughs> yes. life is. Look, look, look at the plight of, of, uh, you know, the, the lower, lower class or lower middle class white man, et cetera, et cetera. And then this one, you kind of, you can juxtapose, I can't ever say that word, so I'm not going to try. You, you compare and contrast that to, to Nomad Land that really, I think, delves into that sort of that subject matter with real integrity and and some and genuine I mean realism but also does some ambiguity too. Yeah, ex- exactly. And does it but doesn't spend uh it it doesn't spend all of its time getting into the isn't it sad that this has happened to this poor white person. And I I don't know. I I gre- I really appreciated the way that that she that that Chloe Chloe Zhao was able to get across all parts of that that make up the whole of of who this person is and what she's going through instead of you know whatever ten percent this five percent this and and 
you know, 85%, oh, it's terrible, it's terrible, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me, you know. I, I, I dug that. I thought that that was a, the pie, the pie was, was split up really well and, and it allowed Frances McDormand to, to be, to be the boss. I mean, she's just so stinking good. So I love that, that aspect of, of the film and I, I greatly appreciate the way that she went about putting this, the narrative of this thing together. For sure, man. $4 million budget for this. Like, give me $4 million, Give me this for $4 million almost all day, every day over. Yeah. And, I, and I understand, like, the ceiling for this is not high. Um, it might win Best Picture, but, like, if you're in the business of making money, mm-hmm. these aren't the kinds of, of movies you, you normally would make. But I, I think these this type of movie is going to be way more impactful than whatever Rebel Wilson rom-com you're going <laughs> to produce. Next. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't see yeah. why there's not, not a little bit more effort to like tell a more important stories, you know, rather than financially successful ones. And that's always the, the struggle with art. You know, it's like, why don't, why can't we get better art, man? <laughs> They're ruining the, it's, it's marginalizing the industry, man. It's, it's, but the, but so, then the, uh, I don't know why I'm like a '90s uh, grunge rocker <laughs> doing that, but uh, yeah. But I mean, I I think your point though to to piggyback on that is what happens when those sort of cash in movies don't make money either. Mm-hmm. So yeah. maybe you get more of this type of thing. Where it's like, okay, look, we're gonna do four million and make, you know, maybe six or seven when we sell it to whatever streamer. Um, okay, so might as well make it, you know, something a little more important than you know not making a lot of money on whatever rom-com these days now too, because now, I mean, the only thing that's going to make money money is, you know, the $150 million movie. Yeah. And I think it's important and, and I commend Disney for keeping searchlight alive. And this is a searchlight movie. Hopefully they'll keep the studio at least going in making smaller movies like this and saying, yeah, this might not be on Disney plus, but, we still are financing these kinds of things and mm-hmm. it's still a, a part of what we do and what we're about. Uh, so I certainly appreciated that. I mean, this movie is full of, I mean, you're right, Brian. I think you put it beautifully where it's not like I want to go do this, but it does have a, a very motivating moral to it. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, you know, the scene that struck, struck me was where she just gets caught in the rainstorm <laughs> and her yeah. entire rig is flooded and all her stuff is ruined and she's just like well better uh dry it off you know <laughs> she just like starts cleaning you know and that's kind of like she doesn't get mad and get doesn't really get upset and like that would be a perfect cinematic moment for like this her to cry and like be in the rain and like all this stuff but it's no it's just like well uh, this sucks, but it's part of it. Let's move on mm-hmm. down the road. And and I love these road trip kinds of movies already. You know, I love Easy Rider. I love those kinds of just like, let's drive. And there's going to be beautiful music playing and great scenery. But um, I thought this had a, a story that a lot of people can relate to. You know, it's not like a very uh, specific movie where the story is like about a specific family at this one moment in time. And sorry if you don't relate. Like, I think this is a very generic 
story that um, I don't know has a wide appeal, mm-hmm. wider yeah. appeal than I would have imagined. Like I, I would recommend this to a wider gamut of of friends and and coworkers and family than I would have imagined. You know? Yeah, I agree. It's. I love that it shows that it works for some people and doesn't for others too. You yes, know, you know that weird nuance thing that is never presented mm-hmm. in. Uh, yes, mass yeah, entertainment. great point. Great point. I, I, I like that part too. Some people do, yeah, and and I don't want to say that everyone in the film isn't there by choice because you're right. There are, you know, the, the vagabond lifestyle is a thing, and there are people that do that and want to be out there, you know. But uh, the circumstances of her character Fern in the movie is is more by circumstance, and uh, yeah, she does find herself a little bit along the way. She she has to figure out uh, what makes her Fern, but mm-hmm. uh, it's not really done like in a real spiritual awakening kind of cheesy, yeah. like uh, you know what was that movie Britney Spears Crossroads kind of way? You know? <laughs> well. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> Literally at a crossroads. And I forget about that. Have a criteria collection yet? She's no. at a crossroads. And also, it's called Do you know who, you know who wrote roads. that movie? Do you know who wrote that movie? They're what? worth like a billion dollars now. Borden Miller? <sighs> nope. Russos? No, way richer than that. Steve Bannon? <laughs> richer than the Russos? <laughs> yeah. Chandra Rhymes. Oh, wow. Okay. Wrote Crossroads. Yeah. All right. See, see you at coming. crossroads. <laughs> It's weird when that that yeah. was the theme song of the movie. But. <laughs> yeah, but the other thing it does too that kind of goes in what we're what we're saying is, is it's not preachy. It it it's a it presents these the the circumstances that uh, that the character. I'm sorry, I can't remember or Fern. Sorry, uh, that Fern finds herself in and 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 all of her compatriots that that they're in, but it doesn't in a a pretty factual kind of way that, that, that also is sort of background exposition. Like there's, there's a couple of times where, you know, she says something like, well, I can't live off the benefits of unemployment or not unemployment, of, of, of early retirement, early retirement, because the system that we've set up is very stupid. And, uh, you know, so many of these people have been forced into early retirement, but early retirement doesn't pay the bills. So what, you know, what do we do on that front? And I just love that they, that's a fact. That's a real thing that's happening to a lot of people. And that is just presented as like, well, this is one of the circumstances that we're dealing with rather than, I guess I'm just going to keep dunking on hillbilly elegy, but you just compare contrast that to like when he shows up to his, to his mom's hospital room and does that whole diatribe of like, you know, my mama worked at this this hospital for 30 years and that's why she's on the drugs, you know, and, and the way yeah. that, that they, they go about really driving that point home, you know, and you're just like, well, okay. I, I kind of see what you're, I get what you're saying, but also like, can we do it in a, in a way that, <laughs> yeah, that, what? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I dug that. I, I love, I love the, the message that it's getting in all of its, uh, there's a, there's, there's several themes and messages that are getting through, but the man does them in such a, uh, such a real way that doesn't feel exploitative and doesn't, doesn't feel exposition heavy either. And I dig that. Yeah. I like, you know, Bob Wells in the movie, he's got kind of the guy who's leading the big powwow. In, in the main scene in the movie, he's like a, I don't know, a blogger kind of guy who 
has, I don't know, not glorified the lifestyle is not the right word, but he's a big proponent for this and kind of is like the most well-known um, the vagabond guy. Mm-hmm. And also the Swanky character. Um, her name is Charlene Swanky, so I'm assuming that was really Swanky in the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's, I think that's you're right. cool. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you, um, yeah, you meet maybe you meet her plan was to let's meet someone along the way that we really connect with and make them a part of the movie. And you know, um, I, I think that's what I liked about it. It was like it didn't feel like an adaptation of a book, like <laughs> Ron Howard's Billy Elliot did, <laughs> just like a most blatant, like almost felt like a walk, uh, walk hard level. <laughs> like yes. adaptation, you know, yeah, parody adaptation of one of those movies. Big time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't even know how to describe what that was, but uh, yeah, this almost like a documentary feel. I love that about it. And, but also it was very actory too. Like I think Francis will get nominated if not win <laughs> for this. Yeah. I think it's between her and Viola right now. Is yeah. Viola was. Mm. And Vanessa Incredible. Kirby. Too. Oh yeah, yeah, Mr. Kirby too. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. I'm hoping to get to that this week. Yeah, that uh, looks like a tough watch. But yeah. of all the yeah. iconic Francis characters, like I think Fern is up there too. I mean, it's tough. Mm-hmm. You know, she's got yeah. she's got a lot. You know, a movie I I I have never thought about until again until just right now. Three billboards. Remember <laughs> that movie? Mm-hmm. She won for it. I know. <laughs> like, I have not thought about that movie one time since we uh, last talked about it. That was her last uh, big, you know, big thing. Anyway, yeah, no, I think she'll she'll probably be a favorite. I think Chloe, uh, best director. I don't think this will get any kind of screenplay. Maybe cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that might be it. Really good music as well. Good yeah. score. Yeah. I I love the music. I thought the score was really good because it felt appropriate. It felt like it fit. I'm not a score guy, uh, like like you guys are, but I I felt I felt like it heightened the movie by being quiet and subtle in the background, mostly. Yeah. Just sort of great piano. Yeah, definitely. I actually definitely. went and listened to. Uh, it's he has a beautiful Italian name that I can't remember off the top of my head right now. It's like Luda. Ludovico or something like that. I went. I love the score so much. I went and listened to some of his stuff on Spotify, just as like background music for the day. Man, he's a really great kind of classical mm. composer, modern. Those are always fun to find. Sure. Um, yeah, super, super cool. So I, I wasn't familiar with his oeuvre, as they say. So I'm excited that uh, that movie gave me that, which is awesome. Mm. But he's done other stuff. I think he did The Father this year too, um, which I'm I'm psyched to see as well. So I love me some Anthony. Yeah, I mean, there's just, there's two ways, not two ways. I mean, I'm just so used to the kinds of movies that go about this subject matter being one of the two extremes. Either it's, it's the Ron Howard movie or it's the big short where it's this real flashy, like, Mm -hmm. we're commenting on society (laughs) at this moment in time. And it's real meta kind of thing. To me, this is like, that's why I say, like, this is like a library of Congress type slice of life kind of movie, you know, like almost a, I don't know this to me, this is more about coming out of, of the recession than any, anything we've, we've that's come out maybe, you know, Mm. in terms of like the real impact of that and the real need for, uh, 
for a little bit, uh, maybe a little uh, more even, evenly spread income around here. That might be nice. You know, 1% wow. commentary, all that you. kind of stuff. It was weird when the uh, they occupied Wall Street in the movie, though. That was a little <laughs> odd. Prime real estate if you're a vagabond. Yeah. So what happens when you shoot movies like five years in advance, you have to try to be topical and sometimes it doesn't work. Oh uh, man, I just I absolutely absolutely love this movie, you know, and there's some some scenes with her, her her family trying to reconnect there. You know, she meets the character David, or you know, his name's David in in real life as well, but his name's David in the film. Uh, and they, yeah, there's some relationships built along the way. There's some relationships that don't quite work out along the way, just like uh, there are in life. So it's a real good kind of metaphor kind of thing, but also feels like it uh, really happened. And, and it's, uh, yeah, like a couple of days of this person's life just kind of edited together. And then those are the types of movies that I, I really enjoy. Felt authentic, felt real, but mm-hmm. also felt like a movie that, um, didn't feel too rough around the edges, you know, had mm-hmm. a little polish on it too. Had some mm-hmm. flair, had some, uh, some nuance to it. Had, had, a, had, had the, the vision of somebody who knew what they were doing. It's know? just like so weird. It wasn't that- like a student film that was like a little bit better than we anticipated it being like, this was a good movie, <laughs> you know, straight up. There's, uh, there's, there's, it's still so weird that she's doing the Eternals, but well, I'm I'm, I'm sure it'll be it. great. Probably had finished it before even shooting this, which is crazy to think. But. No, she's doing both at the same time. She's doing oh, pre-production really? on Eternals while she shot this. Wow. Um, there you go. So this is actually shot in like 2018. So it's been um, sitting for a bit. Right, yeah, right after she, the writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, so but it's still. I mean, it, it, she'll be great. I, I I don't mean that negatively at all, but it, it's just like. <laughs> Those two movies just couldn't be further from my comic book fair, and that's mm-hmm. that's cool. That's a cool choice that they did. I hope it hope it works out. Yeah, man, um, I'm I'm uh, very excited to see what she has coming up next. I don't see anything um, coming up on her filmography. I'm assuming Marvel's going to try to lock her up for another Eternals if if that does well. So she might be on hold, but I'm assuming she's probably done something this year since Eternals. Probably had already wrapped, uh, close to wrapped, uh, and probably definitely wrapped last summer, uh, this past summer. Um, even though it's coming out next year, uh, I don't think they, I don't think they tweak things too much. You know, that'd be a good Batman Shane question. Like when a movie gets delayed a year, do they just tweak it for a more year and still clean it up, or are they like, no, let's go ahead and lock this thing so we can be done with it and move on to something else? That's a good, that's a good Batman Shane question. So. Stay tuned to the Discord, because I'm sure he'll answer that question there in the show discussion channel. But uh, let's grade this one out, guys. Nomadland. Last movie of the year. The great out, besides Minari. But that episode uh, can be listened to this week on your main feed. I'm giving uh, Nomadland A+. Loved it. Brian? I think... I think my expectation for it had built so much that that as I was watching the movie, I wouldn't, I wasn't disappointed, but but it left me um, it left me just a little bit cold in parts that I I kind of expected, I expected to to feel the feelings and and I I there were stretches where I kind of didn't, and so I think if I would have graded this on 
whatever day I watched the movie, it would have been maybe like still very good, but like an A minus. But I've thought about it way more than I than I might than I expected when I when I finished the movie. Like it's really been kind of bouncing around inside my head for the last few days. So I'm gonna come up and I'm gonna just go with an A. And I'm not sure totally where that that leaves me for for the year because it's definitely going to be in my top uh, five, six, eight, something in that range. But I'm not. I don't know. It, it maybe could go as high as as three or four, or it could be you know the the bottom half of the the top ten or something. I'm not. I'm not totally sure. I thought Francis was incredible. I thought David Strathairn rules. I always love when he shows up in a movie. I thought he did a great job, and I, and I love her. I love Chloe's. Um, vision for for the for her films but i already kind of feel like this one is growing on me more than it than it was in you know in the moment of watching the movie which is is saying something given that you know it's only been five six days since i've seen it something like that so i'll go a for now and and kind of try to sort out where that lands it over the next few days before we get to our end of the year episode uh richard what about you yeah kind of the same man i i probably i i I need to watch this again. I wish I had a little more time. I ended up being like quasi disappointed by it just because it wasn't everything. I I don't know. Mm-hmm. I built it up to be something it wasn't because I was like, oh, this is going to be the best movie of the year. I love Francis so much. I kind of came away from it a little colder than I expected. Um, I would expect this to maybe go up a little bit with another viewing um, or just more, you know, contemplating on it. But right now I'm going to give it a B plus. All right. Here. There you go. There's the grades for Nomadland. Stay tuned next week because we've got our final list of the year. So where will it where will it end up? We only got a week to decide, guys. Better hurry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that'll be when we reveal that. But for now, let's end this episode with a weekly recommend. Weekly recommends. Brian, can you kick us off? Got a movie that I don't think we're going to get an episode in uh, before, uh, the, but who knows? Who knows what February is going to bring? We may have to go back and and uh, and go back to some of these 2020 movies that we didn't get to. Uh, really not, but I'm, I'm trying to complete a, a big list of movies before we get to our end of year episode. And I will be honest, this was one that I wasn't super looking forward to watching, but just felt like I needed to because it's making so many top 10 lists and uh, may end up being front runner for for in an Oscar category or two, but I actually ended up really enjoying it. Although not a movie that I'm gonna rewatch very frequently. Have you guys seen Promising Young Woman? Yeah, mm-hmm. Carrie Milligan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, with uh, with uh, Bo Burnham. Yeah, with Bo Burnham. Uh huh. Yeah. I said M- Milligan. I meant Mulligan. Sorry. Yeah, with with Bo Burnham as sort of the. The love interest. I haven't. I, uh, I have not seen it yet. I watched a bunch of stuff on it, featurettes and things on it, but I, I haven't sure. haven't watched it yet. But I'm. It's. It's. I'm going to watch it this week. I'm pumped for it. Yeah. It's. It's. It's like. A, it's one that you kind of like. For me, at least, I recommend. And I say, look, I'm recommending because it's. A, it's a high quality film, and it's got a great performance or two. Uh, it's kind of. It's kind of tough to recommend from a. Does he do the country standpoint. song in it? Say yeah, yeah, yeah. Gold uh, bear. <laughs> Gosh, that's that's Ryan's funny vote right there. Yeah, honestly, no. uh, <laughs> he really, really deserved. We need that. to book that's a tour still... with he and Chris Fleming as a one-two. Oh my act. gosh! Yeah, just it's it's just the three of us in the audience. We are the only three people that are super into this. Uh, this weird, weird comp. Yeah, that song like 
<laughs> randomly will pop up in my head, and then that's the only thing I can I can think. I'm about so mad it's not on week. Spotify. The Bo Burnham. It's on YouTube. If you don't know what we're talking about, check it out. It's hysterical. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, continue now. Fantastic. Back to your super important dramatic movie review. <laughs> no, it's a like the the movie. You can go to IMDb or whatever, and run tomatoes and read sort of the uh, the synopsis. What it, it's a it's not a. Uh, it's not a fun movie. It's it's mm-hmm. it's pretty pretty dark and and depressing in some ways. Um and it's hard to uh it's hard to review without without spoiling some of the the stuff that goes on down the stretch of the movie, but Carrie Mulligan is fantastic. Remember I'm Carrie Mulligan? A, I know. I know. <laughs> I hadn't know, seen her since Great Gatsby. I'm not kidding you. Well, it's funny <sighs> She something a couple years ago. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she good. broke onto the scene. Broke onto so scene with Drive, strongly. I think, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but she broke on the scene so strongly and had a, so much buzz for like, man, this is she's gonna be the next great actress. And I was like, most of the stuff that she did during that period, I was oh, like, Davis, right. kind of don't get it. It's kind of I don't know. I mean, she's fine, but yeah, not really my my thing. But over the last couple of years, I so since some of that has kind of died down, I think she's given some of her better performances. Uh, in in recent things that I've seen her do, but man, she's fantastic. Like right now, Variety has her as the the number one favorite to win Best Actress, even over Frances McDormand and nice. uh, Viola Davis and whatnot. And I don't think that I could push back against. She might not be my pick, but I don't know that I could make a good argument for why she shouldn't win. She, I mean, it is it is a powerhouse performance. Um, it has a, a, a despite how dark and depressing it is, it really does have a, a an empowering message to it, and it's a there's some fun elements to it. Uh-huh. And you, you guys know me, I, I don't enjoy uh, violence played for fun, but it is kind of a fun movie in, in some ways. And uh, crazy, like kind of cameo cast too, right? Doesn't uh-huh. Have, like, yeah. Of- yeah. Big time, big time. Adam Brody shows up and Allison uh, Brie, right? so anyway, it, yeah. it, it's a, you got to seek it out. It's in theaters too, but it's on demand it. as well. It's, it's very good. And uh, it, it's hard to, again, it's hard to recommend from a, a thematic standpoint, um, but just from a an overall performance and, and how qu- the high quality of it, oh man, it's it's definitely if you're so, especially if you're somebody who's trying to knock out the movies, the big movies before Oscar nominations and all that kind of stuff. This is going to be a player, and it's it's definitely worth your time. Bo Burnham's having kind of a cool part of his career. He is. Yeah, he definitely is. Mm. Yeah, he's awesome. Oh, Steve man. Martin. Yeah, we'll um, we'll see where that one ends up on the in the final. On the final list, we might have more to talk mm-hmm. about with that one uh, sure. next week. So we'll yeah. tease that. But yeah, watch that one this week, and you'll you'll know you'll be filled in. All right, uh, Richard, what you got? Yeah, for me, I'm going. I'm, I'm throwing it a few years back. Uh, made the joke the other day that you know, well, Land's fine, but have you seen Liam Neeson's nonstop? And then Kent put <laughs> Liam Neeson's nonstop on uh, on some. Uh, he sent me a link to it, and boy. That I watched that immediately, even though I've seen it thirty times, and I can't decide which is better, the the commuter or nonstop. But I'm going to go today. I'm going to go Liam Neeson's nonstop, a masterpiece. Nice, a B movie. Them. Have you seen that one, Brian? Oh yeah, yeah. greatness. Great one to watch on a plane too. It is. I watched it. On <laughs> I always plane. like watching plane movies on planes. Something yeah. weird about that. I like uh, or submarine movies on a plane. Anything where I'm kind of trapped. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've watched a lot yeah. of yeah or submarine movies October. on a submarine. Uh, you know, if I ever, it's always great. My goal is to get my own private sub at some point and I will, I'm going to fire up U571. That's whenever I do. <laughs> Just got to get one of those, uh, one of those cartel subs. Yeah. There's a documentary yeah, sure on Netflix about that. Somewhere. You should watch called, uh, yeah. 
Operation Odessa is what it's called. I just yeah. watched it. Yeah. I've read that's, that's pretty that's good. Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Are you not a sub a guy, Brian? Because the ocean, right? Yeah. Thought the, in the I actually, you in know, the what? documentary they just buy them from Russia. They were like decommissioned. Yeah. Well, okay. That doesn't sound well, like they, the Russia I know. I know. They're always on the up and up. <laughs> yeah. They do everything. Right that's now. a side recommend. Operation Odessa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have been in a submarine on my on my honeymoon. Lindsay and I. Oh uh, really? We did a cruise, and one of the excursions was a. But it was like I was real upfront about like, okay, how deep does this thing? Yeah. Because if it's, I got to be able to get to the surface if this goes yeah. poorly. And I don't need like, the bed. We have never once had any sort of incident. I'm like, you don't understand. That's not the point. It's <laughs> just for my own satisfaction. Like, yeah, I need to know that I can I can get to the surface and leave Lindsay to to fend for herself. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it was cool. It was a cool thing. Yeah, submarines are cool. We we need to figure out more um, ways to kind of like retail the submarine experience, like bigger ones. I'd like to mm-hmm. like what if you did a full cruise under the ocean? That'd be fun. That'd be amazing. Be terrifying. Yeah, very dangerous, probably, but amazing. Yeah, I mean, there's probably a million insurance reasons <laughs> as to why you can't. Um, but doesn't stop Russia. Someday, <laughs> this guy in Operation Odessa looks like the guy from the room. Hi, Greg. <laughs> oh man, there's a guy named Tarzan in that. That's uh, incredible. That's a uh, that's worth a it's worth a watch. It's only like an hour long, so it's not like a big series or anything. But uh, yeah, all right, good good recommend. I'm gonna recommend a uh, documentary that uh, I know. We, I know you guys are, are stoked about it. Watch part one, Tiger documentary on Tiger. Oh. You guys watched it part one yet? I didn't realize it had come out yet. I'm, yeah, yeah I thought it was next out. week. I'm excited. Yeah, I it's, um, it. I'm hyped. By the time you might be hearing this, both parts might be out. But it's HBO, HBO Max, uh, Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods doc. Man, uh, the goat Alex Gibney produced it, and yeah, um, yeah anytime he's it's, got his seal of approval on there, you know it's going to be good. Very I much like, like kind the of last secondary. dance, but like not twenty hours long. Um, yeah, it's only uh two parts so it's four hours long but yeah i I like the secondary business that gibney's in kind of like with um the uh, scientology one where he just basically adapts nonfiction books into documentaries like oh this this was cool did you watch his um most recent ones uh the one about um covid19 and the one about uh, russian interference yeah yeah man he is he's on another level on the, the way he puts things together is it's truly fascinating, man. That guy is that guy's amazing. On the but. Tiger Front, the the book uh that that's based on, I think it's just called Tiger Woods with with Armageddon and another author. But I read that right when it first came out. I love I've all, I'm Tiger's like Pantheon for me. I love Tiger and um uh and I'm actually wearing a master's hat right now as we record this that my friend got me. But anyway, um love Tiger and and uh but I was right after I read it. I was in, uh, we, I went on my honeymoon, Brian, and <laughs> we were in Spain and I was at this, it was like a, you know, my wife and I have very different vacation styles. My wife is, is tan and beautiful and loves to lay on beaches and I am not and like to like hustle through cities. And so it was a Sarah day. So we're at this, we're at this beach in Valencia, Spain, and I'm just kind of bored out of my mind. And, uh, I look over and there's this guy reading the tiger book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hadn't spoken in English to anyone in like four days other than my wife. And and so uh, I was like, oh, that looks like it's in English. So I went up to him and I was like, man, how good is that book? And he was just like, dude. And then me <laughs> and this guy had this – at this Valencia 
Spain Beach Club this impassioned uh, conversation for 20 minutes about the Tiger book. And then I, I hope that guy's doing well. I hope you watch the documentary, Kent. He was a really nice guy. <laughs> and we just went our separate ways. He was like from Florida. And that's how I met Alex Gibney. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It was just funny because, like, it, he was on his honeymoon, too, and it was, we were in this beautiful place, and we couldn't have cared less. We just wanted to talk about Tiger for 45 minutes. It was great. <laughs> the, uh, gosh, man, it, it's so good. So the first one is really just, you know, his career, his, how he was brought up, uh, you know, his his rise to legendary status. And then the second part is, like, his downfall. So, yeah, that's it's kind of how it's split up. Uh, is it's got a little bit more of an OJ Made in America feel than like the Last Dance did, where it has some, you know, talk about like the racial tensions in America at the time and mm-hmm. and on the PGA Golf Tour yeah. and all that's and all that's. I'm sure you guys talked about in, that in Happy Gilmore, just like the uptight yeah. nature of golf, <laughs> especially right. in the '90s and. It's a lot better oh, remember now. Remember the but, chicken uh, and collard greens thing when he won? Like, yeah. Oh, that stuff. was bad. That was bad. But, um, but yeah, man, it's it's certainly fascinating. He's, you know, they say he is basically like the next Michael Jordan. You know, that's they say that in the doc because that's how Nike viewed him. Like they kept looking for their next Michael Jordan, and he's probably maybe LeBron might be up there, um, as like the only athletes like on a worldwide. You know, you go to Spain, Richard, like you just said, somebody's reading about about mm-hmm. Tiger. He's like a worldwide phenomenon and very well done. Tiger, HBO Max. That's my recommend. Awesome. All right. That does it. It's Nomadland. We did it, guys. It's the end of the year. Yeah. Minari is the last review. So check that one out. Watch Minari. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you all then. But uh, until next time, we'll see you all soon hopefully at this hey baby i hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs and maybe i seem a bit confused yeah maybe but i got you pegged <laughs> but i don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs they're calling again scrambled eggs all over my face they're making me ya ya The salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again